Hello, I'm Shamel. Uh, I'm from So this is a this is a talk on uh, Kubernetes also. Uh, for anybody who, um, anyways, I'm going to repeat many of the things that Joan just said. Uh, and some of those things that I will say, I will not repeat until <laughs> be new for this session. Um, okay, so like uh, the first thing I want to talk about is the the, the problem that uh, that I try to uh, address, which is basically that um, though in a in a perfect world, uh, many people would like to move all their applications into Kubernetes. Uh, for these many people are mostly developers because it's very easy for them. Um, it's also often not possible. Uh, for example, you have like uh, many concern, many, many deployments that cannot be put in a container. Can't be put in a container for many reasons. One reason would be uh, it's like an ancient application that actually nobody even knows how it runs and nobody knows where the code is, but it stays running, but they have tons of other services in your organization that are plugged into it. Uh, anybody who you know, has worked in healthcare knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, there's many database deployments that people don't want to put in Kubernetes because there are still issues with security at many organizations that, uh, that uh, you can't run some databases inside containers. And also applications, uh, and then that's kind of like why not to put something in Kubernetes. Another problem is uh, what do you do when you want to have uh, containerized applications spanning data centers, regions, uh, maybe even clouds and cloud tenants. And you know, like the golden one, if you think you can do all that stuff in containers, can't do Windows. So <laughs> I would. So yeah. Um, okay. So oh, and so like uh, this is like uh, sort of the summary from uh, our CTO, which is basically that the world will never be one technology. It will always be many technologies that you have to plug into. Whether this is you know. Python application, whether this is a container platform, or whether this is, you know, anything else in the world, there are always multiple technologies that you have to talk to. Talk to. So that's uh, that's the kind of problem that you would want to think about and how to solve it uh, in 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 the in terms of like uh, orchestration. Uh, so. Kubernetes is an orchestrator, so to speak, of uh, containers, as you all probably know from the last talk, or well, maybe you don't, maybe you came in late. Um, anyway, so what, it, what does it mean to be an orchestrator of containers? It means that, uh, that uh, you have a cluster, and on this cluster, you want to run many applications that are running, that are then put in package inside a container. And uh, you want to have some system that will intelligently uh, schedule them across that cluster. So for example, maybe you have an application that requires uh, 
large amount of compute, but you know, does not have like really a, a intense storage requirement. So it would want to run on a cluster node that has the meets those requirements. Uh, and you would want your orchestrator to be able to intelligently handle that scenario. Uh, another, so yeah, that's that. Um, now to talk, just to repeat again, some of the technology, the, the terminology that I think is uh, super important. Master, so Kubernetes does run like in a master minion type of configuration. Uh, and then what is the minion? The minion is a node. In Kubernetes, a node is always a, uh, either a VM or a uh, bare metal machine or some machine that has the Kubernetes service and network configured running on it. Um, uh, and then pod and service and replica set, these are things that Jerome just covered. So here's the architecture. Uh, you have a master talking to many nodes. These nodes are basically uh, computers. And these computers are running the Kubernetes software on top of them, which then exposes, has many groups of containers called pods. These groups of containers on, called pods are talking to each other on a uh, virtual network that is uh, part of uh, Kubernetes' uh, specification. They have like three main uh, network providers, WeaveNet, uh, Flannel, and uh, Calico. And uh, so, for example, every pod is given a unique IP on the network. And if you want to have uh, the, um, and so this enables pods to talk to each other, whether they are pods on the same node or pods on separate nodes, such as this example. Um, and it also enables if, for example, the question about the services, the services also have IPs on that uh, network. So the way that a service would an external service or a Kubernetes service talks with pods and talks with services outside of Kubernetes via such a service. Okay, so uh, Kubernetes is generally thought of like cloud native, meaning that it runs on clouds uh, such as AWS or Azure or GCP. And the way that it does this is via a cloud provider. So when you create your cluster, you generally say, I want uh, my <coughs> Kubernetes cluster to run on Google Compute Platform or Google uh, Kubernetes Engine, or whatever they call it, or Azure or ECS or something like that. Or I want it to run on no cloud, which in this case, you are responsible for manually provisioning each of the nodes on the cluster. In a non-bare uh, metal scenario, they have a provider that will take care of that. It also has uh, several um, basic implementations for Kubernetes-like uh, things, like load balancers. Kubernetes has the idea of the load balancer, which they call an ingress uh, service. And for example, if you are using the AWS provider, then the ingress service actually maps to ELB. Or if you are using a uh, um, Google Cloud provider, uh, the ingress actually, the load balancer uh, type actually maps to uh, Google Cloud load balancers. So these are, this is sort of a way of enabling you to have a very user-friendly integration with your cloud provider. 
uh, while still running like this clustering uh, thing that's pretty complicated and um, not actually fun to admin. Okay, um, so uh, as I said, you normally would uh, say like which cloud you want to provide, you want to, to deploy your Kubernetes cluster on, uh, AWS Azure, GCP, OpenStack, you know, Rancher, whatever. Um, and then uh, many people such as us started being like, hey, well, we would like to create cloud providers also. And the developers at Kubernetes at this point were managing their cloud providers as part of the core product, which meant that every time that they wanted to add a provider, they had to wait until the next uh, release to actually release the provider. And they were like, hey, this sucks managing you know, an external plugin as part of the core product. Let's externalize it into something else called cloud providers, which you can uh, other people will maintain. We're not even responsible for it. And uh, we can focus on our main thing, which is this you know, scheduling you know, thing instead of you know, these cloud providers, which are actually not interesting to us at all. Um, so that was Kubernetes version 1.6. And they made a press release where they said, like, we're taking the cloud provider out of the product. We're now going to make it an external um, plugin type system. Uh, and uh, anybody who wants to create one uh, can maintain it. And, uh, and that's that. But it's going to take a process because we built like this so much part of the, the program that we need to actually spend quite a few releases moving it out. So they uh, created this roadmap for by version 1.9. They want to have the Kubernetes uh, cloud providers be an external um, binary. Okay, so uh, this is uh, actually part of the, uh, the last, you know, uh, words that I said, um, which is that what is wrong with having the cloud provider inside of the uh, binary? And it's it's not only the things I said. It's also that. Uh, you know, like, what if you want to have a multi-cloud, or if you want to have hybrid cloud? What if you don't like the default implementation of the cloud provider? What, you know, for example, AWS, AWS cloud provider, it's actually not providing uh, VMs. Actually, instances are provisioned by auto, by Kubernetes, by cloud, by um, cloud, auto-scaling groups. Instead of uh, instead of actual like VM instances or instance groups, and so that's uh, so. Let's say you don't want to use auto scaling groups. Let's say that you actually want to use you know like instances, or let's say that you want to use spot instances instead of you know whatever. Like then you have to go and like branch or fork out the uh, the cloud provider code. You have to change it to actually have the implementation that you want and so on and so forth. So this is like one of the many reasons that uh, uh, Kubernetes decided that this is um, not the best architecture in the world, and they changed it. OK. So now we'll stop talking about Kubernetes for like five or 10 minutes, and we'll talk about Cloudify. So Cloudify is also an orchestrator. And you would say to yourself, well, OK, Kubernetes orchestrator, Cloudify orchestrator. Why would I want to use two orchestrators? And the main issue is, again, going back to the problem, 
which is not everything runs in Kubernetes, but I want to use Kubernetes. Okay, <clears throat> so that's the answer to your question. It has the same type of uh, master slave or master minion type, uh, you know, like uh, design. And uh, some of the things that you might want to think about as being like analogs between Kubernetes and Cloudify are compute nodes and workflows. So a compute node in Cloudify is a VM or a bare metal machine. And a node in Kubernetes is a VM or a bare metal machine. So they're the same thing. Um, and then a workflow is basically uh, is actually something that there is no you know, direct relationship between workflows in Cloudify and workflows in Kubernetes. In Cloudify, a workflow is uh, a uh, specified series of steps uh, via which like uh, certain um, uh, operations are executed. <clears throat> Whereas in Kubernetes, you know, like uh, you basically define kind of like, like, a, like, like a state of an application or a state of several applications that you want to be executed and Kubernetes just kind of schedules them. So like, for example, like some people have said, you know, like, uh, um, how do I make sure that like my, my uh, web server and my application, you know, get deployed before my service and, you know, Kubernetes doesn't care because it just creates like the, the containers and it creates, it creates the pods and if they fail, it tries to recreate them and eventually it you know, has like this eventual state that it, you know, maybe you desire. It. Okay, so uh, for, uh, for again to drive home the point, uh, Cloudify is trying to bring together several different situations like containers, but also bare metal machines, windows workloads, uh, databases, maybe even something strange like, I don't know, like uh, your uh, employee sign-in, sign-out system or whatever it is, you know, like, you know, Cloudify is focused on, um, on, uh, on diversity, let's say. Um, <coughs> so I said, you know, and like we said, like, you know, we, a lot of people want to use Kubernetes, you know, how is actually the correct way for someone who is using Cloudify to work with Kubernetes? And uh, there are actually several approaches that, um, that we'll talk about. And I'll just skip to um, this slide here to talk about that. The way that you would uh, first want to uh, interact with Kubernetes is the middle one, which is just creating uh, resources in Kubernetes from Cloudify. So if, uh, if I have an application, my application includes like say a traditional database and a containerized uh, service, then um, I would put them in the same deployment in this you know, hypothetical scenario. Uh, but then, um, and then when Cloudify creates the database, it will then create the pod, Kubernetes. And this is kind of the design. But then there's the, the other scenario of what about the infrastructure? You know, I still have this problem with the cloud provider where uh, I you know, basically have like a very static cluster in AWS or Azure or whatever, and I want to have that cluster be um, you know, part of my 
something I can customize and change, you know, like on the fly. So that's where the Cloudify provider comes in. And the provider is basically saying, okay, AWS is not your provider anymore. Azure is not your provider anymore. You're not using GKE anymore. You're using Cloudify. And you will tell Kubernetes which cluster, whether it's an Azure cluster or a GCP cluster, or it is you know, a single cluster running in AWS on different regions, or a cluster on bare metal machines running on like a, maybe like Vivbird or something like that. And you can now manage both the infrastructure and your applications via Kubernetes. So that's sort of the, uh, the idea. Um, it basically, from my perspective, it's just uh, it's adding a node in the communication between the IP calls for infrastructure, or API calls for infrastructure. So that's what it is. So now there are like two sides of the way that Cloudify works with Kubernetes. One is via the plugin, plugin, which actually is talking to the Kubernetes API. And the other is the provider, which is the Kubernetes talking to whatever API it needs in order to provision infrastructure. Okay, so um, the third way of, of interacting is actually like a hybrid scenario where you are creating infrastructure and applications all at the same time. So you would say like, I want to run my application on a Kubernetes node in OpenStack and have that OpenStack node join a, some X cluster someplace. And this, is, this would be like a scenario where you're actually using multiple plugins. You're using a plugin for OpenStack, you're using a plugin for Kubernetes, and you're using the provider all together to create a new uh, layer in the, in the Kubernetes topology. So this is kind of like a weird scenario that we're not actually sure has much use, but uh, it is definitely there wanted. Okay, so um, here are just a couple of use cases that I talked about. Does anybody have questions at this point? Like, no. Has, do you have any integration with Zen? Zen? Oh, like uh, we don't have like a Zen plugin. Mm -hmm. But the question was, does Cloudify have an integration with yeah, Zen? You can plug in the Zen into OpenStack and Zen. Or you use can the API open. No, uh, the idea is to use them as a VM provider. Yeah, and you plug it in the open stack and then just as it right So there. you could write a plugin for Zen and Cloudify and use that uh, to, to, to provision VMs and Zen via Cloudify. Um, it's not, it's, I would say like, like for, for me, it would not be, it would be quite trivial to do it for like a, a newcomer to Cloudify. There is like a little bit of a, like a learning curve, but it's actually quite easy to do. You can actually like throw the provisioning commands into the uh, like into a script and have that be your plugin. So yes, you could do that. Um, for example, like our libvirt is using like the like a libvirt API, and this was like a, something that a guy like one of our developers did the libvirt libvirt plugin, and uh, he did it in like a hackathon, like in less than a day. So. <coughs> okay, so this is like the hybrid cloud scenario that you know you have like a single blueprint for ONAP, which is a um, well, you can ask Shai about it because I wouldn't do justice to explain it. Um, but ONAP is basically a uh, 
very complicated deployment with several services and several applications inside of it. It has like tons and tons of containers um, defined in it. And uh, what we want is we want to be able to migrate from a, a non-containerized uh, um, uh, architecture to a to a containerized architecture. So in this case, what you would do is you would be able to do like a blue-green AB type deployment where you have your existing deployment and then running in Cloudify. You've tested your new containerized version of the application in, Cloud in Cloudify, and now what you want to do is you want to change the IPs and replace the you know like a current production non-containerized application with the new containerized application. So Cloudify is like a, it's a deployment update type, type of scenario. Um, and then this is like another hybrid cloud scenario where uh, one uh, customer wants to run, uh, they want to, this is actually not using the provider, this is using GKE as the provider, uh, but you have uh, some services running on VMs in AWS, and you want those AWS machines to have application context with the, uh, with the Kubernetes workloads. Uh, that are running on GKE. So for, you know, like, to give like a watered down example, the example is uh, my service and my, my pod in Kubernetes needs to know the IP of the application running in AWS and, you know, like, um, and talk to it. So in this case, like the, these, these uh, applications are all executed together and, um, and, Kubernetes, and via the, the, the two plugins, um, the VMs are able to communicate with the pods in Kubernetes. Okay, so there, now there's like a, a quick demo that I set up. Uh, okay. Um, kind of demonstrate this. Uh, uh, kind of a like, hybrid scenario. Didn't remember that I called the, the demo excitement. <laughs> so this is an application, uh, or this is several applications. Like a, it's kind of like a, a simple example of um, a single deployment. And in this deployment, there is a database, which could either be a, a deployment that several other deployments need to have access to or that is currently part of this uh, uh, deployment. Uh, and it's actually a database cluster. It's a, it's a MariaDB cluster. Um, and if you were to go and look at it, look at the DB deployment, you'll see that it is uh, consists of uh, a VM with a MariaDB a database on it and a cluster um, management um, process as well. 
simple application that basically manages lifecycle of this cluster. So if I wanted to, for example, scale this cluster and add nodes to it, then I could go here and, you know, like scale cluster, you know, that. Um, and then going back to the application. So this was my cluster. Now I have a load balancer in front of this cluster. So I have a single uh, endpoint that I can communicate to, you know, whatever available VM the load balancer is currently uh, wanting to let people talk to through whatever algorithm I've configured in there. And again, to go and look at it, this load balancer is actually slightly more complicated system that actually includes like a VM with an HA proxy uh, host configuration uh, inside it. Then I have my actual Kubernetes workflow, work, workloads, which include a, uh, a um, persistent volume for, uh, for uh, file system access for, that the application needs to the VM. Uh, deployment, which actually manages the, uh, the pods. So maybe I will have one simple pod, which is like a Nginx or a Apache web server, and then another uh, pod, which would be like the um, HP service. And then uh, I have service that actually exposes this application to the world. And so when I create it, the first thing that this does is this verifies that the database is available. Next thing it does is verifies that the load balancer is available. Fire them or not available, it will create them. And then it deploys like the actual um, uh, application that talks to this stuff. Um, so yeah, this is the, uh, okay. So I will then show like a, like a more text-based kind of approach. So. So when I wanted to um, handle the deployment of the database, like I just, you know, have like this uh, code here that, or this YAML here that basically describes how to deploy the database. I have another YAML that describes how to deploy the load balancer. And then I include my Kubernetes resource um, files into as, a, as, also as imports into the blueprint. So this is like very standard, simple uh, example of the Kubernetes uh, resource definition um, that is then, you know, imported by this blueprint to execute. Uh, okay. Next, what was it that we are going to do after the demo? Ask questions. Anybody <laughs> <laughs> ask questions? Does it maintain state after a start, start stop? Like suppose you deploy the cluster now and the database failed. Do you maintain state? It so they're back, replicate, So this is uh, something that I can like I can define in uh, in my uh, in my blueprint. So if I go back to the blueprint file that talks about like the database, I have several like uh, let's see. Let's see if I have any work. So in this case, I don't have any um, 
any like healing or scaling uh, on infrastructure level scaling defined in this blueprint, but I could add it. So for example, let's say like, uh, like for example, earlier today, somebody was working, ah, actually one thing that I didn't show you is the actual Kubernetes cluster blueprint. This, um, for example, today, like uh, I share this, uh, this server with uh, somebody who's working on the plugin for us. And he uses it for testing. And uh, he had a situation where like the Kubernetes node was not able, like the master was not recognizing the Kubernetes node. So he was like, you know, what do I do? I was like, well, you know, you go in here, you click heal, you give like the ID of the Kubernetes node that has stopped connecting to the master. It runs a workflow, heals that node, and now, you know, like five minutes later, he's back in business. You know? So it's like the same thing with like the database. If you have a database, um, uh, this one, you say like, okay, this host is uh, is not communicating anymore with my uh, with my uh, cluster. You know, the load balancer says like he's uh, not connecting to it. You know, here it's a manual process, but it can be. Uh, easily defined to be like an automatic process using policies. I would click like heal, give him the node that I want to heal, and then run execute. And then, you know, like five or ten minutes later, this database <coughs> node is back, you know, joining that cluster. Now, I have already If you already have a service. So for here, like looking at again at like the, the demo application, if you have like a file like this for, that you use to define your Kubernetes um, workload in, or the deployment or whatever it is, whether it's a stateful set or uh, you know, a replication controller or whatever, like uh, you can just put the YAML file inside of the resources folder put it in, like, say, Blueprint, deploy this deployment, and it will create it. Um, by the way, you can use variables inside well, the uh, resource definition like this if you, if you want. So, like, going, you can see, like, database, like, uh, host. If I go back into this uh, Blueprint, and I see, like, um, go to the deployment, you know, like I, I say, like a database host here, you know, get the IP from the load balancer deployment. I don't know why I'm looking here. And so this load balancer deployment creates the load balancer. It stores a variable called, I, called IP, which then <clears throat> gets passed as a variable to that uh, Kubernetes resource template. Ah, and then again, let's say that instead of this example application that I'm using, I define like a, like here's another one with Cassandra. In Cassandra, there is an auto scaling um, definition. So um, this is a Kubernetes uh, workload definition. 
for auto scaling. And basically what it says is like I have a stateful set that I've, uh, that I've defined and I want to have like a minimum of two replicas and a maximum of 10 replicas per, um, per node in my Kubernetes cluster. And then uh, what I can do is like, uh, is, uh, is, is the, the Kubernetes, um, the uh, provider and Kubernetes senses that it needs more nodes in the cluster. It will then tell Cloudify, give me more nodes like the ones I have. And, uh, and Cloudify will provision these nodes. Now, like I said, like this can be a blueprint that has like a uh, open, that is you know, maybe like an OpenStack VM uh, for uh, defining like the nodes in the cluster. It could be like a mixed cluster where it's like VMs of several different sizes to provide different abilities, and different like, um, you know, capabilities. It could be VMs in different regions, VMs in different clouds, blah, 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 blah. And so like I could put like a selector label inside my metadata that says like, uh, you know, um, digital ocean, you know, medium size VM or something like that. And like the, it will know to scale that class of uh, Kubernetes nodes um, via Cloudify. That would be like, you know, that's kind of the idea. Yes. You mentioned at the beginning the word master. Yes. There is a master, so it also fails. That is leverage. Yeah. If it fails, then it's So there, there's a few. So there's a few like um, like uh, recommendations that I could say for this. First of all, like um, like. Uh, in my current deployment, I haven't defined it, but I could uh, create like a set of masters that then have uh, what's called like federation between them. So like they are kind of like, um, they're not replicas, but they are aware of each other and they know they have like rules for handling their connection, connection between them. Yes. Any other questions? All right, Jeremy, the floor is yours. <laughs> thank you, Chamel. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Really appreciate it.